betrayal and his arrest, his crucifixion, and his resurrection. It's a story we tell over again and again. It's a story that changed the world. And it continues to change the world. And each year when we come together to say, what's the message out of Holy Week for this year? I'm struck by how ordinary the characters are. I find myself or pieces of myself in each one of them. It's a dramatic week, but really from a certain point of view, there's not anything particularly unusual in the way that the people respond to what happens. Some in hope, some in fear, some with violence. In some ways, it ain't really news. One thing that wasn't really news was how nervous the Romans were around Palm Sunday. They'd been nervous around Palm Sunday for a long time. It was Passover. And during Passover, they had to deal with a city that in one week grew from around 50,000 people to at least 200,000 people. And they were pilgrims, and they were earnest, and some of them were fanatical. And they were all longing, hungry, desperate for God to break into history once again, like God did in Egypt, like God did in Babylon. Will this be the year that God does it against Rome? For the Romans, the last thing they want to deal with is a would-be Messiah coming into town at such a volatile time, in such a volatile space. Such a person would be, have to be quashed immediately. It's not news. Rome's main concern was power and the tax money necessary to maintain that power. That's what they called peace, the Pax Romana, peace by the edge of the sword. And they often would rattle that sword in a show of power to, um, what's the proper word, disincentivize any potential revolt. Uh, That ain't news in Jerusalem. That ain't news for any of us. It's just the latest iteration of empire. And this morning's reading tells us of the Pharisees asking Jesus and his followers to be quiet. The head of the Pharisees, the head of the Uh, Jewish state. Chief priest. I'm sorry, the chief priest um, of the Jewish state was Caiaphas. And you don't get to be the chief er, priest uh, without playing some politics. Um, This is true in our own denomination. You don't get to be bishop without playing some politics either. Caiaphas had a really delicate balancing act to manage. He had to keep the people quiet. He had to keep any revolts from happening during Passover from the religious end of things. He needed money to keep pouring into the treasury. He had to keep the Romans from panicking and burning the whole city to the ground. With another dangerous Messiah coming in, he had to be nervous. I think he was good at real politic. And sometimes you have to sacrifice someone 
for the good of the whole, to keep things calm. That's not news either. Another Holy Week character we read of is Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of Judea. Pilate had an unpleasant job. Fortunately, he was qualified because he was an unpleasant person. A Machiavellian narcissist, violent, horrible. He actually had to be recalled by Rome because he was too horrible, even by Roman standards. That's saying something. That is is news, I guess. Uh, But what's not news is the kind of person he was. The world is full of violent, sociopathic thugs who land positions of power. Should we name names? No. No. Okay. Just saying. Now, that's not to say his job was not difficult. Politics is a messy business, and innocent people get killed. But at Passover, even more so. Jerusalem is on edge. There, there's this expectation for any sign of, will this be the year that God saves us? Everyone is on the lookout for any rumor of revolt, any sign of, of uh, a Messiah in the wings. So if this year's version for Pilate is a weird little parade of palms and a strange little guy on a sad little donkey who might need to be eliminated to make Pilate's job a little bit easier, we'll call it expediency. Nervous dictators who threaten people with violence and destruction in order to gain a sense of security or massage their fragile ego, that ain't news. It's in the news. But it ain't new. And I think of the followers of Jesus. I think of Judas, who we know as the one who betrayed Jesus a few days later. Excuse me. Judas, too, would have been in that Palm Sunday procession. I'm sure he was waving palms and throwing his cloak down as well. I think, I wonder if he was nervous. Maybe it's because I grew up on Jesus Christ Superstar. But my sense of Judas is not that he was a horrible person always looking to betray Jesus. He had been following him for three years. I think he believed in what Jesus was about. But it made him nervous. And maybe it was going too fast. And he wanted to slow things down. I'm not sure that he knew his betrayal was going to end up with Jesus being killed. It reminds me of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from a Birmingham jail, which was written to white Christian pastors who said to him, Martin, we believe in what you're doing. Could you just slow it down? And he said, no. Sometimes change just needs to happen. I think Judas was juggling with that as well. That kind of response to change isn't news. I'm trying to picture describing Judas as a first century white liberal. It works. I'm not going to tattoo it on me anywhere. But we have other disciples there too. I'm thinking of Peter 
I'm thinking of the other men. We know how they behaved when the chips were down. They meant to be brave. They wanted to do the right thing. They were hoping to practice what Jesus preached. But when the rubber hit the road, at Jesus' arrest, they were scared. They were tired. And they slipped away. They denied. They disappeared. They panic. They play it safe. They look out for themselves. That ain't news. That's being human. I think about how often I have meant to take a risk. How I have wanted to act bravely or or wisely or prophetically or sacrificially. But I got too worried. I got too safe. I got too tired. That ain't news. It's all of us. And the crowds who on Sunday are are singing Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And then four days later, five days later, are saying crucify. Mob mentality is as true today as it was then. If folks are fed information, it's hard to know where they'll go, but a whole group of people together can be a dangerous thing and it can turn on a pin. That's not news either. During Holy Week, we're going to read about soldiers mocking Jesus. We're going to see military cruelty. That ain't news. It's in the news, but it ain't news. ICE, Border Patrol, Homeland Security, Ukraine. Give people a little bit of power over others, and they'll abuse it. Make your well-being based on the well-being of an unjust status quo, and you'll see anyone who challenges that as a challenge to you. It ain't news. And I think of some of the bystanders Jesus' mom, some of the women who followed with Jesus and his disciples, Joseph of Arimathea, who uh, helped give the tomb for Jesus to be placed in after his crucifixion. Ordinary folk who didn't at all like the turn of events, but who were powerless to stop it, tried to do what they could to try to make it better, tried to accompany, tried to be there, That, too, describes all of us, our helplessness at the news some days. I think of the crosses that are set up on roadsides where there have been accidents, where there have been fatal accidents. I walk by the ghost bike, the white bicycle in Porter Square that's placed where a bicyclist was killed by a car. Folks trying to do the best witness they can because they're powerless to stop the big things that harm folk. That's part of our reality, too. That's not news. It ain't news the way any of the folk 
acts in the Holy Week story. They are all of us at one time or another. They're just following the script of the oldest story around about bad, powerful actors lording it over the powerless and the innocent and people underneath doing the best they can, but they're scared and they're self-protective and sometimes foolish. That ain't news. Except. Except. Except this guy on the donkey. The one who didn't call himself Messiah, but rather the suffering, serving son of man. The one who said, love your enemies. The one who healed and touched and looked on all with love. The one who said, forgive, and forgive 70 times 70 times. The one who said, the realm of God, the kingdom of God is within you, is among you. The one who showed us in everything he did and everything he said, what God was like. Who showed us with, with mustard seeds and lilies and birds and wise and foolish maidens what it was to live in expectant hope and possibility for something truly new. This one didn't follow the script, didn't even stay dead, for goodness sakes. This one went through Holy Week and came out on the other side with a story of love and hope and of God's promise. At the end of Hades Town, Hermes sings again, it's a sad song and we're going to sing it again. And he says, we sing it again because we think, we hope maybe this time it'll come out differently. What we have in Holy Week is a story that we know turns out differently, that we know human nature and we know all of our strengths and we know all of our foibles and how they can get us and the whole world in trouble. And we know the ending. We know the life of Easter. We know how the story turns out. And we invite you to come on Thursday night to hear the story. Not just in case it turns out differently. But we want you to dive in. Not to hop from a Palm Sunday to an Easter, but to dive in to hear the story and to put yourselves in the place of each of those actors we're going to hear about. For you to embody the story and to know it not here, but here. Because we know, and you know, how it ends. Amen. Our next hymn is also on your insert, and these words are written by Scott Campbell, who is a former pastor here, so we invite you to share in that hymn.